Praise God. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. This is my lovely wife, Connie, for those of you who remember. So she has, this year's 35 years, and uh, we have uh, two grandsons. I think uh, since we were here, we added one. So uh, two years ago. So that's a blessing. Uh, I didn't know how great it was to be a grandparent until it happened. How many grandparents do we have? Wonderful. Wow, look at this. Great grandparents. Ain't great? Wow, this is, I think, the largest group I've seen so far. Awesome. Well, we are so blessed to be here, so honored to be here. Thank you for inviting us to come, Pastor, and we always enjoy coming here. Uh, this is such a, a vibrant church, and you're such a great congregation, and we enjoy coming and sharing with you about what's going on in Asia. Uh, we love this New England area. Every time my wife and I were driving uh, this trip, and I like driving, we fly too much, I like being in the car. And so uh, driving through uh, the New England area is just beautiful. We love it, love this area. It seems like every time we come, uh, things are getting better and better spiritually, I, I believe. There's just a, uh, an excitement, spiritual excitement in the air in New England. Hallelujah. So uh, we're seeing, I want to share some things with you tonight, just a moment, uh, that you will not hear on the news, uh, but you will hear... Uh, God is interested in this news, and it is making headlines in heaven. may not make headlines on the earth, but it is in heaven. I want to share some things with you that you will not hear on the news concerning what Christianity is doing around the world right now. And I believe you'll be blessed and excited to know that God is moving in a great way. And good things and great things are happening all over the world. So let's pray, and then I want to share a little bit with you about uh, what's taking place in China and then share just some practical information with you that you can uh, begin using right now uh, when it comes to uh, harvesting this great harvest that we have before us. And we have a great harvest. We have over 7 billion people on this planet. And so it is a great harvest. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful church. And they have blessed us richly through their finances, through their prayers. And Father, we thank you for every person here in this church. We ask your blessing upon this church. May they continue to be a light. And may they continue, Father, to impact this area and the surrounding areas with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for what you are doing around the world. We thank you, Heavenly Father, most of all for your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that because of him you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory for everything that you're doing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Just a, an update on China. I don't have a video. Uh, I think the last time I was here we shared one, so it's still the old one. So I'll give you a, uh, a, a verbal update on what's going on. We've been in China now 10 years. Uh, we're starting our 11th year. That's hard to believe it's been that long. But uh, six years living inside China, the last four in Hong Kong. And then uh, we also uh, travel around Southeast Asia, uh, different other countries, uh, including India, Indonesia, some other areas, uh, sharing primarily and in, in mostly in Bible schools. But our primary emphasis and thrust has been uh, just simply to train the nationals 
the pastors and the church leaders in China to help them become better pastors, to offer them resources and education and training they might not otherwise have available. So that's our primary goal. We're not there to establish any kind of a ministry uh, of our own. We're not there to establish anything separate from what the church in China is doing. So for the past 60 plus years in China, uh, there's been a great move of God. As most of you know, China is a, is a uh, large populated nation, 1.5 billion people. Uh, to give you an idea of how many people that is, they have more people in the educational system from kindergarten to college than we have population in the U.S. Gives you an idea of how large it is. They graduate 7 million high school graduates every year. Uh, they have 1 billion people who own cell phone contracts. And that 1 billion, 85% of them have access to the internet. And so I'll talk about that technology in a moment. And I don't know why it is, but uh, Iowa, I'm from Iowa originally, my wife's from Minnesota. Iowa, you can get more drop calls than any place I've been. And I don't know why that is. I've never had a drop call in China. I've been on the Great Wall. I've been out in remote areas uh, in the south, the central, the north. And it seems to work well. But we're going to take advantage of that. We'll talk about that in just a moment because God is using the technology we have to spread the gospel rapidly. Anyone here use Uversion app? Anyone? Several of you. It's a free app that comes out of a church in Oklahoma City. And uh, I was just there visiting with the Uversion team, and they have four people on that team, believe it or not. And Uversion now, I don't know how many translations of the Bible they have. Does anyone know? Over 60. And they're all free. And so they are approaching 1 billion downloads of Bibles and Bible reading plans. Think about that. 1 billion people around the globe have downloaded either a version of the Bible or a Bible reading plan. Think of that. You know, I imagine, I know that when, uh, you know, the printing press was invented and Gutenberg invented that press and the Bible was actually printed, uh, that was an amazing accomplishment and spread the gospel rapidly throughout Europe. But think of electronic media today. There's really no limit to it. I know people talk about the Chinese firewall and uh, we've lived behind that, uh, but there are always ways around and through anything. And all you have to do is talk to a college kid in China and they'll give you the easiest way around and through things. But... Uh, even in China now, people don't really carry a lot of Bibles with them. You don't see that. They carry their Bible on their cell phone, their electronic device, because you can download them free. And they have two or three different versions that they have access to. So a lot of our students uh, are also now downloading uh, books that we're translating. And most of our books, we're printing some, still printing some, but the majority of our books are electronic format, PDF format. Uh, that's what they want. So we have about 18 titles of Brother Hagin's books that uh, we have completed. We're re-editing those books now. And we have a, a young guy, I call him young, he's about 49, he's young. And uh, he's from China, and he, is, uh, he used to work for Xinhua News Agency, which is the communist newspaper. He has a degree in journalism in Chinese uh, literature and in IT technology. He came to Canada, and he found Jesus. And uh, the first church he attended is a church very similar to this one in, in, in Canada. He's been in Canada 16 years. The first book he read was by Brother Hagen, And now he's a first-year Rhema uh, Bible Training College student. 
and volunteering his time with us. We just re-edited Believer's Authority for the fourth time, and uh, I really, really feel good about this uh, version. It's going to be, doctrinally speaking, about a, it will be 100% accurate. So uh, he's a great asset to us. We were praying uh, for many years for laborers, and then we changed it to skilled laborers. <laughs> Made a difference. One word makes a difference. <laughs> so he's a blessing. Uh, something that's going to happen real soon in May, we're going to test our online uh, program, the only official online Rama Bible Training College uh, program that is all in Mandarin. Uh, it will be tested uh, in May, and the Lord sent us another person that was a former church member years ago when I pastored in Iowa, and uh, he became the senior vice president of Xerox Corporation. He's going to retire this month. But uh, he uh, has such a background in uh, programming, software development, security issues on the internet. He's just a phenomenal individual, and he's volunteered his time with some other people, and they're building us a platform. He just told me the other day the back end of our uh, uh, computer program is the same one the U.S. air traffic control system uses, so it is complicated enough to handle a lot of in-streaming traffic and so we're, we're, we're hoping to be able to handle over a million hits on that. And so uh, that's going to be coming online very soon, all in Mandarin. It'll be available for Chinese around the world. It'll have two tracks, a completely free track. And the other side is a four-credit track. So if they want no credit, they can listen to everything free. If they want credit, then they can pay by module. It'll be very minimal cost. They get free downloadable PDF books. They get all the exams, all the handouts, everything else, and a certificate that connects them with uh, Rama USA. And so uh, we're excited about this because we have a waiting list of people that have been trying to get us to come in China. We can't get to them all. And we don't have enough trained instructors yet. Uh, and so this is going to help us with level one or a foundational course. And then out of that, we can pull from that group those who are in full-time ministry and do uh, hands-on face-to-face training with them. Uh, so things are going well in China between 25 and 30,000 people born again every day in China. Uh, the church is doing great. Uh, there are two churches in China. There's a government registered church called the Three Self S-E-L-F Church and then there's the house church movement. We no longer call it underground church. Now we call house church movement because many of them have come up uh, and are visible. Many of them are meeting in large buildings, some in even hotel ballrooms. Now, you've heard some things on the news, and just recently I heard, uh, and I did confirm, because I haven't been in China just for a few weeks now, that uh, some changes had taken place over the Internet. There was a large uh, Christian Internet uh, uh, site that was blocked, uh, but that doesn't prevent things from happening. You have to understand that. And then there were some issues in some uh, other Another province I won't mention, uh, but those are localized issues. For the most part, we probably have the most freedom that we've ever had. I've been there 10 years, and I'd say in the last 10 years, this is the most freedom that the church has had uh, in, in the last 10 years. That doesn't mean there's not persecution or issues in different areas, but I don't want to get into the causes of those, uh, but those are workable situations. And uh, we've been able to avoid a lot of that because we have some very high standards uh, when it comes to security and what we require. And so we've been blessed and protected by God, and we appreciate that. 
And another reason many, many people, many of our partners have been praying for us, and I know people here have been praying for us, and we appreciate that greatly. We just had a training session in the Northeast, and uh, the average temperature during the daytime was 22 below. Anyone want to come with me? That was a daytime temperature in Fahrenheit, not Celsius. And so, uh, uh, to show you the dedication and the commitment and the hunger of, of our students, many of our students come by train, some 18, 20, 25, 37 hours by train. They come for 10 days because that's our training block, and it's eight hours a day. They want a night session, but we say, no, we're tired after eight hours. And so they want another three hours at night. We say, you go rest, and we'll start all over again. So we go six days a week. We take Sunday off, and then we go another five to six days, eight hours a day. <clears throat> and uh, normally when they do come, depending on the time of the year, sometimes of the year you cannot purchase a, a ticket in a train for a seat or a bed. So you purchase a standing ticket, it's called. You stand. And so sometimes our students will stand 18 hours, 20 hours. Uh, just to get to the location. This year, the, the closest bus stop, because we're out in the country, is a 15 to 20 minute walk. It's 22 below during the day, you have to understand. And the bus runs about every 20 or 30 minutes on time, right? No, not on time. And so they have to walk to the classroom, from the classroom back to the bus every day. And there's some, some that stay on site because we have a factory there. We use a factory, it's not our factory. And there's some on-site housing, but many of them will come from the city and go back. And so uh, the hunger is still amazing and remarkable uh, in that country. And, you know, I was reading uh, Brother Hagin's book, The Triumphant Church, the other day, and there's a chapter in there. He talks about praying for the Iron Curtain and when that came down. And then he made a statement that before Jesus comes back, there has to be revival behind the bamboo curtain. Well, that's happening right now. That curtain may not come down the same way it did in the Soviet bloc nations, but it's down to the point the gospel can go in. You know, when the Communist Party said we'll have a church, and we'll call it the three-self church, and we'll let the rest of the world know we believe in religious freedom. When they said that, they had no idea what they were doing. Because the moment they gave permission to have a legalized entity called a church, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit said, thank you very much. <laughs> now we're going to move. And uh, they, the Holy Spirit has been moving. I, if I had time to tell stories, it, it, would, it would just be unbelievable to you what's going on. Uh, my partner, <clears throat> I won't mention his name, but my partner who is a Rama graduate, he's Singaporean, he's Chinese, he's now the director of China, does an amazing job. He's been in, uh, I can only go into certain churches, uh, but he's able to go in because he's Chinese and they think he's from the South. He has a Southern accent. We do have a Southern accent in China, believe it or not. And I have the uh, Northern Chinese accent. He has the Southern Chinese accent. So he is able to go into some government churches. He's been in churches of four to 8,000 members. He has been able to give altar calls where three to four hundred people come, and all of them in mass are baptized in the Holy Spirit and begin speaking with other tongues. We've had blind people healed in the congregation. We've had people fall under the power and be healed in the congregations while he's preaching. One of our, one of our pastors who uh, 
is being mentored by us, is under us. She's now the head of in a, uh, the entire province. I won't mention the province. She has 43,000 church members under her. She told us that she would just get up in the pulpit and open a book by Brother Hagin and read it, and people would start raising their hands saying, I just got healed. Or I just started speaking in this strange language. I don't know what it is. Just from reading, teaching from the pulpit. Hallelujah. Just amazing things are happening in that nation. And obviously, God must like Chinese food. He made a lot of Chinese. <laughs> 1.5 billion. And they're everywhere. Because everywhere we go in the world, we find them, we run into them. I was just in a small uh, city in, uh, in a central part of Illinois. <clears throat> and we went to a Japanese restaurant. And the whole staff are from China. So I began talking to them, finding out where they're from why they came here, etc. So everywhere you go, you run into Chinese, well, that's God's plan. We're out to reach all Chinese-speaking people, whether they be Mandarin speakers, Cantonese speakers, uh, we're going to reach them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God loves them. God loves the world. He loves every nation. You know, the Bible doesn't say, for God so loved America. Now, He does. The Bible doesn't say, for God so loved North America. Or South America. No, God so loved the world. When God looks at the world, He sees His children. That's what He sees. And He's waiting for a large harvest. Hallelujah. And so God is moving. I want to share some statistics with you. I just have a heart for Chinese people. I don't know why. I just have a love for Chinese people. That's just what God has placed in me. And I just love Asia. My wife and I have been there, as I said, uh, well, actually, all together, we lived in Thailand, Singapore now, uh, in China, uh, in Hong Kong. And uh, just something about that part of the world is just in our heart, and so we love that. When I see a Chinese person, I just kind of, I just kind of connect it and go that direction. And so, uh, you know, God has different things for different individuals and different callings for different individuals. But God loves the world. Hallelujah. He sees spirits that are in need of salvation, that are in need of redemption. He is the father of spirits. Hallelujah. Now we see bodies seated here in, in this congregation tonight, but you are a spirit being and you live inside this body. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said years ago, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. And so are you. There's not one single person here that's an accident or a mistake. My father used to tell me that. Seriously. And other things I can't mention in church. <laughs> but you are not a mistake. You are, you are in God's eye before the foundation of this world. He knew you. He knew where you'd be born, what country, what nation. He knew what family you'd be born into. And you are preordained by God to be born. You're not a mistake. I don't care what anyone says, you are not. You are God's plan. And that means He has a purpose for your life. And He has a plan for your life. Actually, if we really knew it, the, the Bible tells us we are being trained for all of us for a government position. Think about that. After this world is over, a new world will come and Jesus will be ruling that world for a thousand years. And every Christian right now who's alive is being prepared to rule and reign with Christ. Every single one of you. Every single one. There's not one person left out. 
Every single person. It doesn't matter in this life whether you're uh, called to full-time ministry or not. Everyone's called to the ministry of reconciliation. Every single member in the body of Christ is called. You have an anointing on the inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You have the Word of God. You have been called out of darkness into light. You have been called by God for a purpose. This life is temporary. Paul said, why we look not at the things that are seen, because the things that are seen are temporary. But the things that are not seen are what? Eternal. We live in this natural, physical world, but really, we're a part of a spiritual world. We're a part of a spiritual kingdom called the kingdom of God. And if God would open our eyes just for 10 seconds and to see into that spiritual world, it would change your priorities. It would change your attention. It would change the way you think and how you see things. It would change the way you look at people around you. Just for 10 seconds. But we walk by faith, as your pastor said, and not by sight. And that's why Jesus said, more blessed are those who believe and do not see. So we walk by God's word. Hallelujah. Now, let me share something with you that is exciting. In A.D. 100, 100 years after the death of Christ, for every believer, there were 360 non-believers. So for every Christian, 360 people were non-Christians. And of course, the world's population was not 7 billion. It was a lot less than now. Today, we have 7 billion people for every non-believer, for every believer, I'm sorry, for every Christian, there are nine non-Christians. Now we have 7 billion. So there's still a lot of people. You can understand that that are not yet reached, but look how we've closed the gap. Now, regardless of what you are hearing, the fastest growing movement in the world today is the evangelical Bible-believing movement. And actually, the largest percent outside the U.S., they are Pentecostals. The fastest movement in the world today is the Pentecostal movement. When I say Pentecostal, I'm not talking about a denomination. I'm talking about people who understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. That is the greatest movement. Now, we may see statistics and read statistics about the U.S., about Europe, and other places. But you have to understand there's been a shift of revival around the world. As a matter of fact, today, Africa is 55% Christian. Do you realize that? 55%. There are some countries in Africa, Nigeria, for example, on Sunday, everything closes and everyone goes to church. As a matter of fact, by 2050, they say that Africa will be considered a Christian continent. Think about that. Think about that. When I was a kid, when I was a small boy, all the missionaries were going to Africa. And that was an unreached continent. But today, they have exceeded every other area in that region in terms of Christian growth. Brazil has had a tremendous revival for the past 30 years. And now there are more Pentecostals than other denominations. Central America, China, there are more Christians in China, 120 million and growing. And in the next 20 to 25 years, China will have the largest Christian population because of its, its own population is so large. Southeast Asia, I was just in Indonesia. The largest Muslim nation in the world is Indonesia. 260 million Muslims. And today, 
And I spoke directly with pastors. The government in Indonesia will not publish the numbers. The percentage of Christians in Indonesia is between 20 to 25% right now. Fastest movement of Christianity in any Muslim nation of the world. There are more Christians today in Iran than the first thousand years of its history. Do you realize there's a revival taking place in Iran? The average age is under 37 years of age. And those young people are seeking things, but you won't hear about it on the news. You will not hear about it. Christianity is not broadcast. It's not popular to broadcast in the media. But God is moving. When God told Peter, the very gates of hell, the power of hell will not keep back the church. 2,000 years ago, guess what? Hell cannot keep back the church. There is no geopolitical boundary. There is no national boundary that can keep out the church. You know, I remember I ran into a young Chinese guy and he was believing for seven years to be imprisoned, placed in jail. He said, I've been praying and believing God for seven years to be put in jail. I said, why? He said, because here you're not really a, a strong Christian unless you suffer persecution and you're in prison. Well, we changed his theology a little. Not too much. Not too much. We don't want to put out the fire. But we let him know, well, you don't have to go to jail. So he was set free from that. Praise the Lord. He's still in ministry. But I've run into other men. I had a, a, a man, a contact who came to me. I won't mention the nation that borders China. And he came for his life. He said, I don't know what happened to my family. I think they burned down my church. They, they burned down my house. And he said, but I have to go back. He said, I'm going to go back. And I met him in, uh, in China and prayed with him. He's going back. He said, I got to go back. I have to go back and preach the gospel. I never heard from him again. I don't know what happened to him. But he was going back, and there's a good chance that he would give his life as a martyr. Think about that. There are countries today, there are more martyrs today for Christ than almost in the history of the world. A lot of people who are dying for their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, and God will honor them. God respects them, and there will be a special reward for them. God bless them. You know, sometimes we think persecution is, you know, I saw a parking place and someone got it before I did. Or, you know, I'm on the internet and for some reason it just dropped and I have no internet. I'm being persecuted. Persecution is relative. Depends on where you are. I was almost embarrassed when I first moved to China. They would tell me stories of persecution and they'd say, what about you? I'd say, pass. <laughs> I don't have anything really to talk about. And, you know, understand, there's a balance to that. And, and unfortunately, sometimes people think that's the only way that you can, you know, be a Christian is to suffer and, and uh, you know, and to do certain things. But uh, we know there's a balance to that message. We understand that. But on the other hand, sometimes we can become so comfortable. We have so many Bibles in our possession. We have so many things in our possession. We don't think about other parts of the world. When I'm in China, you cannot... Raise your voice like this. You have to cover the doors. We're in a factory. That's okay. But if we're in town, we cover the doors. We cover them with tarps and with styrofoam. We lower our voices. We don't talk loud. We cannot sing. We cannot worship God loud. Because we're afraid someone may hear and call the authorities. And so there are parts of the world still like that today. But people still gather together. They are not stopped. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
they will worship the Lord. Amen. It does not matter what the persecution is. So God is moving in China, in Indonesia, in Southeast Asia. Our annual growth rate of the church, of church planting is presently at more than 8% annually. But we need 11% annually to allow us to place a living Christian fellowship, a local church as a witness in every community in the entire world. And we're seeing that in 1900, Korea had no churches. Today there are 7,000 in Seoul alone. One of them is quite small, 750,000 members. They had a prayer meeting when I was in China six years ago. One million people showed up outside for the prayer meeting. One million. Now, America is still the number one supporter of missions. And that's why we're blessed. That's why God raised up this nation. To spread the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud that I was born and raised here. This is a blessed nation. And we will continue to be blessed as long as we support missions around the world and promote the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. We're number one in sending missionaries. We're number one in being, you know, we are the most generous nation of the world. I live in other countries. I live overseas. And so you get a different perspective when you live outside the U.S., and you hear different things from different people. Everyone wants to come to America. They're not knocking down the doors to go to China. No, 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 no. They all want to come here. This is the number one promised land in the world. Do you realize that? Number one. The number one place for education. The number one place for health care. The number one place for uh, just to receive freedom in general. You don't realize it, but we live in an, in China, you live in a communist nation, you live in an atmosphere. You don't realize it, it's oppressive. You can't think right. You can't function right. And when you get out, it's like leaving a room that's full of smoke and you're breathing fresh air. You don't realize it. Until you live there and then you leave and come out. We are a blessed nation. We are blessed we are number one in sending missionaries around the world. Korea is number two, I believe. I want to still stay number one. I love the Koreans, but I want to stay number one. You know, we are generous. Even non-believers, there are, there are organizations that give and support things that take place around the world. When the tsunami happened in, uh, in Indonesia and Thailand, our nation and private individuals gave more money than governments. Can you believe that? That's how generous we are. And that's why God blesses this nation. We're a generous people. Hallelujah. Thank God for America. Thank God for what's happening around the world today. We have, uh, in, I could talk about Latin America. I don't have time. As I said, Africa is, is on fire with the gospel. And uh, things are happening everywhere around the world. Every 14 days, another translation of the New Testament is begun in a new language. And if we're still here, at least some portion of the Bible, some portion of the Bible will be translated into every known language that we know about by the year 2020. Great progress has been made. Great progress. Thank God for all the Bible translators. Great. And, and people working in countries, working inside of nations where there are dialects. You know, people don't realize China has 56 nationalities. People don't know that. Not all, not all the Chinese are the same nationality. 
56 different cultures inside China. The largest is Han, Han people, H-A-N. That's where they get Hanzi. That's where they get Putunghua or Mandarin. That's the number one language. They took the largest people group, made their language the national language. But there are 56 nationalities. Some and all of them have different dialects. But the main language is Mandarin. Thank God for that. At least we have something in common. We can speak from province to province, from group to group, nationality to nationality. Thank God for that. And so great things are happening all around the world. Now, real quickly, I want you to turn your Bibles with me. So I don't have any bad news, only good news. I don't have any sad stories, only good stories. Amen. We're moving forward. Hallelujah. And regardless of what you hear, Christianity is still outpacing every other so-called religion in the world. Regardless of what you hear. Regardless of what you hear. The news and some people who keep statistics do not report because they do not know. Or they do not want to know. Conservative numbers of Christians in China. I don't know what you've heard about China, but I lived there. So I can give you the facts. Not secondhand, firsthand. Conservative estimates of 120 million people. That's conservative because the unregistered church is unregistered. That means they don't know. The registered church, they know. There's over 100 million. Hallelujah. Unregistered, phenomenal things are happening. And so the tremendous growth is taking place. Tremendous growth in that nation. And between India and uh, China, we have a third of the world's population. Think about that, two nations of the world. A third of the world's population. Now, here in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12, I'm not going to take time to read all of this, but Peter said, looking for and hastening, everyone say hastening, hastening. the coming of the day of God. Notice that, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. So I I don't know about you, but I'm looking for Jesus to come back. Now there's a lot of different theological, you know, debates over, you know, the tribulation and over the rapture. And I I don't really have a position. I'm just wanting to go. That's my position. You can, you know, I've, I've gone through not only Rhema, but also I hold a degree through a major Pentecostal Bible college. And, you know, they teach you all kinds of things. But uh, I'm just ready to go. If he wants to come, preferably before April the 15th would be nice. (laughs) You know, there are signs of the end times. One of them is the Cubs winning the World Series. That's an end time sign. I know where I am. I'm in, I know where I'm in New England, okay? This is Boston Red. My second favorite team is the Boston Red Sox. I'm a Cubs fan, I have to admit. From birth, I'm from Iowa. So I was a Chicago fan since I saw Gail Sayers run as a young boy. Boy, we've never seen anything until you saw Gail Sayers in football. Of course, I know we're in the world champion Patriots. Hallelujah. So the Cubs won the World Series. That's got to be an end time sign. I never thought that ever happened in my life. In my life. So these are signs and wonders. They happen, we wonder how it happened. 
but we are believing for the coming day of God. You understand there, we believe in a catching away of the church. We use a word, a Latin word they call rapture, catching away, catching up with the church. Then we also know that Jesus is physically coming back to this earth to rule and reign. We know that. But I want to focus on these other words, looking for, number one, looking for, do we look for Jesus? Now, I know we're not to be so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. I know that. But sometimes we fail to recognize the fact that Jesus is coming back for a church, for a body of believers, for a glorious church without spot nor wrinkle or blemish. He's coming back. One of the writers of the New Testament said this, this hope purifies us. It makes us different from every other religion. Every other religion. It makes us different. We serve a risen Savior. A God who's not in a tomb or dead but alive. Hallelujah. And so I'm looking for His return. And so I'm living like I'm looking for it. It'll change the way you live. Yeah. Amen. And then secondly, and hastening. Now you look that up in different commentaries. Uh, they all have a little bit different explanation, but I like Adam Clark's commentary on that that says uh, it implies there's something that the church can do to make this day come more quickly. Right. Yeah. Oh, if there is, I want to know about it. I want to know about it. And I know we've been talking about the coming of the Lord for 2,000 years. But we're living in a remarkable period of the history of the church. More people alive today than have lived and died from the time of Jesus till now. Wow. So, what can we do? Look, look with me in James chapter 5. What can we do as a church to speed things up? To speed up this process of evangelism? Of reaching the world? Of reaping the harvest? Because that's what God is waiting for. James chapter 5 verse 7 says, Therefore be patient, brethren. Well, we have been. We have been. Until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it. New King James says, Waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. I was raised on a farm. And... Uh, uh, if you're a farmer, you understand you have to have three things. You can't, you know, the sun is the sun, and you can't do much about that. But you've got to have seed, you've got to have soil, you have to have water. Yeah. Now, you can pray and fast and pray and fast if you're a farmer, and pray for a harvest, and fast all you want to for a harvest. But if you never plant seed, you'll never have a harvest. Right. Charles Finney said that a revival is no more supernatural than a farmer reaping a harvest. You must plant the seed and water the seed and reap the harvest. There is no revival without the planting of the seed. And Jesus said the word of God is the seed. Hallelujah. That's why we must continue to preach and teach and proclaim the word of God. The truth of God's word. It is the seed. Paul said I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. There is no increase without planting. There is no increase without watering. Amen. Amen. So, what can we do? 
Well, if we read here what James said, he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth, and we're at almost seven billion, seven plus billion. What a harvest. Until he receives the early and the latter rain. In Israel, they had a rain in November when they planted the crop. In April, they had a second rain. They called it the latter rain that made the crop ready for harvest. Now, we understand by reading the Bible that rain is symbolic of a work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father unless I draw him. How does he draw him? By the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. He will let the ungodly know that there's sin in this world and they need a redeemer. He will let them know they lack the righteousness necessary to be accepted by God. He will let them know that sin has judgment to it. That's the Holy Spirit's job in the world, not in the church. In John 16, 13 is the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. Hallelujah. So there are three things that we can do and it all involves prayer. John Wesley said, it seems that God is so limited by the prayers of his people, he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. John Wesley said that. Now, why is that? Well, if you read the Bible, you'll understand. We have a, unfortunately, uh, in, the, in the church world is a large and unbalanced perspective of what I called uh, absolute sovereignty theology. And that just simply states that everything that happens in this life or your life or in this world is got by God's design and by God's purpose. Well, that's confusing to people because they see death and destruction and sickness and disease and they say, you mean God did that? And that confuses people. And I, I understand why it confused. It confused me. And the reason theologians are, uh, people are confused because theologians are confused. Because when you go to seminary and study systematic theology, they give you several views and let you choose the one you like. Well, I'd rather go to the Bible and find out what the Holy Spirit said through the writers of the Bible. Now, you have to understand this, and I'll make it very short. God is sovereign in His kingdom, but there's more than one kingdom. This will explain a lot to you. There are three kingdoms or three worlds. In Philippians chapter 2, you know the verse that God has given Jesus a name that's above every name. That at the mention of his name, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth. Three worlds, three kingdoms right there. There is the kingdom of God. Now you can also see this in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel prayed. He had a, a, a revelation. He was praying for an explanation to that revelation. And an angel came and touched him. And he said, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand, your prayer was heard. Day one. It took him 21 days, the angel, to get there. Why? He had to fight with the prince of the power of Persia, an evil spirit that was ruling Persia. Amen. He said, now I have to go back and fight. Read it, Daniel chapter 10 sometime. I have to go back. Gabriel or, or Michael, the archangel, had to help him get there. He said, I have to go back now and fight my way back up. So we see the angel heaven. We see Daniel man. We see that, that evil spirit, the prince that is a ruler of darkness. Three kingdoms, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of man. 
The kingdom of man was established in the Garden of Eden. God told Adam, everything I've made is for you. You subdue it. You have dominion over it. That's man's kingdom. When Adam sinned, he did not lose his natural authority. He lost his spiritual authority. And now Satan, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, says he is the God of this world system, not of this planet, but of the world system. He is the ruler, spiritual ruler of the world system. We have three kingdoms, three worlds. Heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of man. Look around this earth. Who's ruling this world? Are angels ruling? No. Are demons ruling physically? No. Man is ruling. And they will rule until Jesus comes back. And man's kingdom ends and Jesus begins a new kingdom. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus was casting out a demon. And the demon said, Gee, I know who art thou art, Jesus, thou Son of God. Are you come here to torment us before the time? See, even the devil knows he has time. And he knows the time is going to end. And he was saying, Jesus, it's before the time. You're not supposed to be here yet. He knew he was coming. See, in the spiritual world, the devil does know some things. Spiritual world is not like this world. So there are three kingdoms. You have to understand that. When you understand that, you understand that God's sovereign in His kingdom. And that God cannot intervene into man's kingdom without man's permission. And that's why John Wesley made that statement. That's why you read in Matthew chapter 16 and 18, what you bind on earth is bound in... What you loose on earth is loosed in... If two of you agree on earth... It all begins on earth, not heaven. It begins on earth because the church is on the earth. And Jesus has placed his name into the church and has given them authority to pray. So when they pray, heaven moves. The angel said to Daniel, I am come for your words. Heaven moved when Daniel prayed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's waiting. Many, many Christians are waiting and God's waiting. We're all waiting. And nothing gets done. Amen. Amen. Three things you can do. And this involves prayer. Number one. Number one. We pray. And we know this. I'm just going to give you the scriptures. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. We pray for leaders. Every nation. When Brother Hagin started praying, when the Lord said you're praying the wrong way for Russia, you, you are praying for persecuted Christians, you need to pray for the leaders of Russia. Because Paul said pray for all men. He didn't say all Christians. He said all men. Right? All men. See, Proverbs 21.1 says, The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wants. When is the heart of the king in the hand of the Lord? When the church prays. If they don't pray, nothing happens. You have not because you ask not. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will shall be done unto you. So that means whether your prayers are heard and answered depends more on you than God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So number one, we pray for rulers, for kings, everyone in any position of leadership from the top down. We pray. And if you read those verses that it says that we might have a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who I have all men to be saved and come under the knowledge of the truth. So God's ultimate goal is salvation. Number two, Zechariah 10.1. Zechariah 10.1 says, Ask ye of the Lord, what? Rain in the time of the latter rain. Is it time? Yes. 
Huh? Yep. Peter said, in the last days I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. That was 2,000 years ago. Yep, that's right. That was the first rain. 2,000 years ago. Yeah. We're living in the latter day rain. Hallelujah. Ask you the Lord rain of the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds and give them showers of rain. Grass in the field for everyone. I love the living Bible. And then it says, then enormous crops will come. If you're a farmer, you'll love that. Enormous crops will come. That's what God's waiting for. He loves people. God loves nations. Huh? He loves people. He wants them in his family. He wants a big family. Hallelujah. So number two, we pray for rain. Every day. Lord, send the rain. Send the rain right here. Right here in this part of Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Send the rain, Lord. Send the rain. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy People will not be open and receptive to the Word without the Holy Spirit. We have to pray for rain. We have to preach the Word and then pray for rain. Hallelujah. It is the Holy Spirit that makes their hearts open and receptive. Amen. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in operation. Today, Jesus said, it is expedient for you that I leave you. It is to your advantage that I go. How, Jesus, is it to our advantage that you leave us alone? He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send another comforter identical to myself, but he will not just be with you. He'll be in you. He's in you. He's working through you. He's in you. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is on the inside of you. Hallelujah. 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 So you can do whatever God says you can do. You can. You have the greater one in you. So we pray for rain every day. Pray for an outpour. Number three, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. You know, he said to his disciples after he saw the multitudes, the harvest truly is what? Plentiful. But the labors are few. Next verse. First words out of his mouth. Therefore, what? Pray. Ask. Ask of the Lord of the harvest to send out labors. It's his harvest, not mine, not yours. Well, then why doesn't he do something about it? He can't until the church asks. I mean, if he could, he'd get everybody saved next week, and the week after we'd all go into the millennium. But that hasn't happened. We just pray and send uh, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit to China. Let him do it. It doesn't work that way. He said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out labors. So you have to have seed, you have to have soil, you have to have water, and you have to have harvesters. Hallelujah. So three things you can pray for every day. Number one, leaders. Number two, rain. Number three, labors. This is not the prayer of faith. You pray one time. This is a prayer that we pray constantly. Amen? And this is something you can do without ever going to the mission field. Aren't you glad? I'm not going to give an altar call for missionaries. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your prayers will avail much. I like James 5, 16, the prayers of a righteous man. How many of you are righteous? Availeth much. One translation says, makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. I think the church has not even realized 
10% of the potential we have. We're living way below, way below our potential in prayer. Amen. Actually, we're saying, we, you know, that whole armor that's listed in Ephesians chapter 6 is for prayer. That's what it's for. Because when you start praying at a higher level and start dealing with principalities and powers, the rulers of darkness of this world, you better have armor on. See, God wants us to change things. Change things. Nations. Change things. How does it come? So mightily prevailed the word, if you read Acts. So mightily grew the word, it prevailed. It changed things. It changed things in Turkey. Think about where Turkey was. The seven churches in Revelation all in Turkey. It changed that nation. It changed Europe. It's changing Africa. It's changing Brazil and South America and Central America. It's changing China and India and Indonesia and the Middle East. It's changing them. Hallelujah. It's changed this nation. And we need to stand up for the truth. And not be embarrassed that we are Christians. And that we stand for God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord. We can do something together with you. We are laborers together with you, Lord. Oh, Father, your heart is for a harvest, a harvest. Oh, Father, you love people. You love them. You love them. It's not your will that any man perish, that any man, any woman, any boy, any girl not go to heaven. Oh, Father, that's your heart. That is your heart. Oh, Father, help us to see the authority we have in prayer and use that authority in the name of Jesus. Pray for our leaders, praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, praying for labors. Hallelujah. Thank you for this church, Lord. We pray for this church that the power of the Holy Spirit will be demonstrated in every believer in the name of Jesus.